Welcome to the Soil Podcast. My name is Tom L.C. Ship. I'm Jack Gleason. And I'm SK. So I'm re-watching Breaking Bad with my dad and stepmom, because she hasn't seen it. And so we're very giddy. Well, how can you how can you be rewatching it then? I'm rewatching it. She's seeing it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're very giddy because when you watch something like that with somebody who hasn't seen it, you kind of get to re-experience seeing it for the first time through them. So it's 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 a lot of fun. And we recently watched seasons season three's fly episode, which a lot of people hate. That's the one with the fly, right? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Just check it. I can understand why people hate it. I don't. It's one of my favorite episodes. Really? I thought it was, eh. It's what you could consider uh, something called a bottle episode. Do we have the what definition for a bottle episode prepared? I don't know what that is. So a bottle episode is designed to take up as little money as possible. So I, That's it? That's the only definition? Budget restraints, um, according to TV tropes. I always thought part of what... <laughs> is there a more reputable definition? Yeah, really. this ca- it keeps production costs was. down because no one needs to scout locations, build new sets, or create fancy CGI graphics. They're a mm-hmm. chance for a slow characterization-filled episode before slash after a big special effects-laden action episode. Of course, all this doesn't mean the episode will be cheap, but that it's meant to be. Yeah, there's, usually there's... the single location, single location. Yeah, usually. that's that's the other thing. It's like it's it usually is like one location, um, limited amount of characters, uh, not a lot of big sequences. For the ones that are well done, like the fly episode, you get a lot of character development and you get to dive into uh, what the characters are thinking and feeling at that moment. And in Breaking Bad, that's not something you really get. That any of the characters ever get time to do because there's always the next crisis to deal with. So the fly episode really functions as a as a nice breather to let Walt and Jesse <laughs> finally like talk about, say, Jane and Walt basically having lost his family. It's just it's just a really powerful episode. Walter talks about you know the exact right moment when he should have died. I didn't know that there was a name for that. I'm, I'm familiar with his episodes that have limited sets and limited budgets, mm-hmm. but I wasn't aware that there was actually a name. Yeah, I think the idea is that it, like it's you know contained within a bottle. Essentially, is the metaphor. Oh yeah, bottle the ends. Yeah, yeah. Let's see, it's it's good to have that. I guess in uh, Breaking Bad, yeah, because they have so much action and shit going on, and it's like uh, Breaking Bad still is able to communicate this these depths of characters. I don't know. What, what did you feel? Uh, about that episode, about what did it reveal about Walter that wasn't already communicated, and about Jesse and their, uh, well, like what grew out of it? Well, one thing that really is solidified there, you know, in in the episode where Jane dies, the end of season two, Walter is talking to Jane's dad in the bar, right, which is something he tells Jesse about in the Fly episode as well, and he talks to Jane's dad about you know his nephew essentially, right. And how basically the, the, the result of that conversation is Jane's dad telling him, you don't give up on family. And so that's why Walter goes back and he wants to talk to Jesse, but then they're both, you know, high and then Jane dies. But he wanted to, you know, make sure basically that that wasn't going to happen to Jesse, right? And 
ultimately he kind of did by letting Jane die, right? That was the the decision I think he made in that moment, and he stands by it, right? He hates that he that it caused Jesse pain, but ultimately it made Jesse go to to rehab and get oh, clean. It's and get better right um just, just reminds so, me of the, the irony that it was going to be their last you know high right that just the add-on yeah, to the heartbreak think, oh thanks well, yeah but i think a lot of was the last high i think yeah. a lot of drug addicts say that to themselves yeah that's always this is always the last yeah. hit yeah yeah after this one it's what's no gonna hits. be incredible <laughs> until you come down and so he basically you know uh says i'm sorry about jane you know he he recognizes that uh jesse's hurting and stuff and um it solidifies how walter feels about jesse in that he sees him as kind of a son-like figure right so the fly episode is a is an example of like doing it well Uh, we don't necessarily have to go into all the detail all the like metaphors that the fly actually represents but um the on the surface level it obviously provides a reason for them to be in the room together and talk and it you know on uh, again at the surface level kind of represents the um literal bugs that are in the uh in the lab but there is you know the episodes not in breaking bad but there are the bottle episodes that are not done well you know and i think a lot of people who aren't able to read into some of the deeper things that are going on in the fly episode see it as that same type of thing and that is the types of episodes where literally nothing happens. There's no consequences. Nobody, you know, talks to each other about anything meaningful. It's just a one-off episode. And maybe it's fun, but usually it's very obviously done for budgetary constraints and it feels cheap. A really good example of this is something like a clip show episode. <sighs> Nobody likes those. <laughs> <laughs> like a rehash episode. Yeah. yeah yeah it's ugh. i like scrubs yeah scrubs does it <laughs> well i like well, when they, they they go back to the memory and they change it to make it more ridiculous yeah. stuff <laughs> well that's that's yeah and that's a, a way of kind of circumventing that right it, it makes it feel like it's a clip show but it's actually new content there was an episode of it's always sunny in philadelphia called the clip show mm. and they do the clip show bit for like the first three minutes and then after that they start misremembering the scenes and they have to react them the way they remember them. And then they start warping reality because no one can remember what actually happened. And then they start getting confused about what's actually happening right then and there. And I was like, I'm going to be really pissed if It's Always Sunny does a fucking clip show episode. Yeah. <laughs> minutes in, I'm like, okay, I see the bit now. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Everyone's remembering themselves taller and handsome. <laughs> yeah, they do something like that in Community, too. They had an episode about exploring how a, the same game board event night could have gone differently if like a different the, the dice roll in the game uh rolled differently mm. they go yeah. through all these different perspectives mm. in the same room so it's that's mm-hmm. a really interesting technique you can pl- really play around with the bottle episode you know it's like yeah. get, get the full capacity out of a space i feel like it's dangerous it's dangerous because i i love it's always sunny and that shit was gambling with me i was gonna skip that episode if it, <laughs> if it was a clip show yeah. And the first three minutes, I was like, uh, come on, don't do this. <laughs> Lazy writing. I just, I, yeah, you come to expect it mm-hmm. in a lot of shows. And, you know, when I watch Scrubs, if I ever watch Scrubs again, it's always a skip. <laughs> I forget which episode that was that they did that. I don't, I don't remember, but it's, there's a lot of music to it. Mm. 
That's right. That's right. Oh yeah, I think and he, I, I think it's I, like the end of season one or something. He does. It. They do it. Probably. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Probably it's uh, like a first all of JD's. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. All the fucking. Hmm. How do I get laid? <laughs> Let's remember all the times I got laid in the hospital. Yeah. It's like the, the <laughs> yeah. dude talks about never getting ass. I know, right? And he gets an obscene amount of and, ass. And the workplace, in the workplace, no less. In the workplace, <laughs> I'm starting to get the idea of this. I'll agree that when a bottle episode is done well, it's it's great for character drive. The one thing now that I now that I'm thinking about mm-hmm. it, the one thing I kind of noticed about episodes that are really you know contained mm-hmm. like that i forget what the show's about how so if a bottle episode like runs on too long it's like jesse and walt they're having a they're having this deep conversation it's all about you know their relationships and his cancer and, and all these things and by the end of the episode you know we kind of have to come back to reality mm-hmm. and realize that the plot is still happening right. and they have you know discussion about gus or whatever and it's like oh yeah this show's about meth right the show's about drug dealers I feel like if those episodes are like too intense, mm. I forget what the show's about. It's like it's cool for characters. Right. It's 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 a really cool character study, but I feel like the danger of that is just what the fuck am I watching? Yeah, because it stops being Breaking Bad. I think it's it's a it's a break from the the actual flavor right. of the show. Right. No, I think that's I think that's a valid criticism. I think that's why you can't do them very often, and in not doing them very often, it means that the when you do it it's much more powerful because you can do all the things that you might have wanted to. Um, and it's more powerful. I feel like the walking dead did that a lot. Ugh. Yeah. It's, it's like a common to, thing to the for point of it being a detriment. Yeah. But they stayed in one location too long. Every episode has got to cost 10 fucking million dollars. <laughs> yeah. So you have that episode of what is it? Rick and, uh, Carl. when, when Rick's just on the couch, just dying yeah. and cars just walk around eating his pudding and yeah. shit. And it's like, I could not be more bored. I know, right? And that, I mean, you're not using the dynamic appro- appropriately because we can't learn anything about Carl because he can't talk to anybody. Right. There's no conflict to play off of. So oh, Carl just, almost died. One thing, of course he did. It's low budget and it's boring. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't yeah. do that. I don't like Walking Dead to begin with. And that was just like, that was the one episode I'd seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, fuck this show. Yeah. So, You've lost me again. So like what? Well, what makes uh, what makes the difference between a good bottle and a bad bottle is the dynamics and like what revelations, what new information is gained. Yeah, I think with something like the fly, you know, we're still progressing. Things are changing between Walter and Jesse, right? Their relationship changes. He finally does confront Jesse outside, saying, "Hey, I'm not accusing you, but." It would be very dangerous if you were stealing, right? And so there, there is development that happens. It just doesn't happen in a very showy, flashy way, which is what we're used to from Breaking Bad. And so to SK's point, it does have a different flavor, but it does at least still develop the characters and make a change for them going forward. So that, I think, is a good bottle episode a bad bottle episode is one that just doesn't do anything that does has no character development it is entirely self-contained it's it's literally it's it's the way that tv used to be right 
this is like how ch- TV has kind of changed over the past like 20 years is that before TV was supposed to be, you could just turn on an episode and watch it and that's it. You didn't have to understand anything that happened before. Maybe you have some, some threads that are continued all the way through, but you know, they're not super impactful. There's, you can understand what's happening in them as well because there's not a huge amount of information involved. It's supposed to be you just turn on the TV and watch whatever's there, right? But with, you know, kind of the 90s and 2000s and I guess 2020s, whatever, um, we've we've transitioned to more expect TV to be a continuous series, at least ones that are designed to be that way, which is a lot of them now. I, I kind of wanted to touch on... Um how it's well used in movies uh, that's when i yeah i think it really shines at the, when it's used well um there are a ton of different examples that are just kind of mostly set in one location and there's either like a giant external stressor and that kind of reflects the internal stressor between the characters caught in the location or they're in one location and there's something you know there's something boiling and it's got to, you're just waiting for it to explode. You know, it's, it reminds me of, uh, I guess in a play, you got No Exit, uh, Jump, uh, uh, who is that? That's, uh, Satsarcha? Um, whereas basically, that, that's the iconic three characters, uh, a man and two women, and they're basically in hell. Um, but it's just like this room that's just empty except for a few things, and they just have to spend time together talking, and, just through dialogue alone, they can communicate a lot about their past and their character and their dynamics. Um, but I think it's more impressively done in movies where there's a lot more um, drama going on. Uh, for example, Tarantino uses it in a movie like uh, Reservoir Dogs or The Hateful Eight. Oh, yeah. Or, um, Reservoir Dogs, you know, mainly set in that one, uh, what is a warehouse at the end. Yeah, and yeah. you can kind of see them coming in, just kind of blithering back in from a botched uh, robbery job. Mm-hmm. And I'm still trying to think of like what what is the magic there of having them come back to one place? So it's like they have to confront each other, they have right. to deal with all of their conflicts, and just seeing it erupt into violence because you know it will, <laughs> and mm-hmm. you're just waiting for it to happen. Like the fucking end of Hateful mm-hmm. Eight, but it's just like. The whole the whole time you're just waiting for it to explode, and that's really exciting. <laughs> it's fucking bush. What is it? The shot, the, sh- the shotgun shot to the to the balls from the floor. It says bushwhacking. That was it's great. <laughs> um, and, uh, what, what do you think, SK? I think for the one thing I wanted to jump in on was the distinction between a bottle episode and a and a film. I think. I don't think a film exactly qualifies mm-hmm. as a bottle episode. I think it has a restrained budget and is more character driven. So yeah, I think that this is playing with the formula of a bottle episode mm-hmm. and using all of its strengths, right. which is yeah, the the intense drama that comes from confining characters to a single space yeah. or a few spaces. Exam is a chief um, example of that. Uh, right. Twelve Angry Men, another really great one. But yeah. I think the, the the real strength of these kinds of films is the misdirection. Mm. It's just, it's a movie that's not about the thing that it says it's about. Reservoir Dogs is not about a robbery. It's about the aftermath of the robbery. The Hateful Eight is not about the hangman hanging his bounty. It's about her getting broken out. That, that sort of 
that buildup keeps the audience sort of always engaged, wondering when we're going to get to the thing that we're supposed to get right. to. Mm. When do we actually get to see her hang? And by about halfway point to the movie, we realize, okay, it's never going to happen. Mm -hmm. So now we have to invest in what's going on. And we like the characters enough, if they're well-written enough, that we are invested in what's going on now. Yeah. It's very moment by moment because it's all you have to pay attention to what the characters are saying and what their motivations are. Like uh, Romero used it a lot for his zombie films, like Night of the Living Dead, and you get to see all their tensions just kind of explode. I think one woman just runs out into the zombies, and others like tries to take down the protagonist, and it's it, every line is just loaded with something, and it's it feels like. You're figuring it out. You're figuring out these characters as they're figuring right. out each other because they're strangers, and they're trying to figure out. Okay, is this guy gonna, you know, fuck me? <laughs> Do I have to fuck him first? <laughs> and uh, same with Reservoir Dogs. And it's like the the dialogue has to be because it's bottled. It's so enwrapped in each line of dialogue that it becomes an excellent opportunity to build tension within the dialogue. And it all feels really personal. Like, the, the character interactions are not about the subplot, which is supposed to be the main plot of the film. It's about their interactions. So when they're talking, it's not loaded by the situations we don't get to see. It's loaded by how they actually interact. Mm -hmm. So when people hate each other, you know they really hate each other. And they're usually in some kind of dire situation. So the veneer of, you know, pleasantries and right. complacency and society kind of fall away. These people have to interact with each other and get what they want. I think the 12 Angry Men situation is is an interesting version of that because because of what's at stake, mm -hmm. right? They're having a discussion about someone else's life. Yeah, a young man, young man so, accused of murder, yeah. I think. So you throw away the, the pleasantries of, well, I think this and I think that. It's like, no, 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 this, this is about values. This is about my values. Right. I think he deserves this. It's, it's definitely in contrast to any other type of story that is not, you know, a quote a bottle episode or that structure because usually any other story you know you're exploring some main plot and the character somewhat take a back seat right they're, they're forced to always be talking about the thing that's happening right and not about necessarily themselves or their backstory or anything like that right and so you have to explore the values that the story is wanting to cover indirectly right you have to do it through metaphor or you might have a couple scenes here and there where characters explore a value more in depth. But most of the time, you're just dealing with the plot with a capital P, right? And these character type, like driven stories, like a bottle episode, a well done bottle episode, or one of these types of movies where everybody's contained, you don't have that plot with a capital P to rely on. So you're forced to actually you know, have the characters directly confront each other on these values. And so you actually get a much deeper kind of exploration of where you should or shouldn't be on that line. Even if the story doesn't actually explicitly make, you know, a point about this is the where you should be, they explore, they have the characters be on either side of that line and, you know, discuss it. And then you're left to kind of make your own judgments, right? It, it's much more on the nose, and I think that's why it sometimes feels a lot more impactful, uh, because then it's people making really interesting points that maybe you've never heard before. That's why you have so many people quoting stuff from these types of movies, like Reservoir Dogs and whatever else, where 
because the, these are new points that someone explicitly said about a topic as opposed to it kind of being explored from a surface level in a roundabout sort of way yeah. because the plot was the thing that was really driving what was happening. Tom, what do you think the value of really good dialogue is from these kinds of scenes? Because Tarantino is mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's great when it comes to dialogue. Do you think that the the dialogue is what actually makes these kinds of things work? Right. So the dialogue does a lot of the heavy lifting for the story. Uh, so the, the camera is trying to capture the main actions and the perspectives. It can it's confined to a space it's probably trying to go more along the perspective of each character instead of like a global perspective um but really it's the dialogue so i i think with these bottle episodes where there's a lot of tension they're pulling at all the usual dialogue tricks uh like people like in reservoir dogs they're trying to establish hierarchies who has control how much control they have like you know the one guy's just gonna keep pushing he wants more he wants oh i know how to just fucking cut off his ear um, <laughs> and other characters right. are trying to control it. They're kind of lower the conflict. They're trying to raise the conflict. Uh, some this reminds me of, of an entire series based around inside of a bank called a uh, Casa de Papel, our money heist. And so you see all all the things of dialogue that you know, make good characters, like misdirection, make other characters think they're going this way or trying to earn their trust. There's other characters that are telling gossip and secrets maybe in another part of the room about another character so you but the bottle up said you really get to pull out all of the all of the tricks that um are or make good drama in a, through dialogue because mm-hmm. you're they're not trying to get somewhere and get something done they're, it's all there right it's all about the dynamic between the two characters and i think that that's sort of the piggybacking the traditional scene description mm-hmm. of just time place negotiation it's nothing but negotiation that's all the characters have at their disposal is to argue about things it's all about that exchange of power and because we don't have sequences outside of the room whatever the room is to kind of transition us from one character to another it's just this constant exchange of power and it's like i think it's kind of like sitting at a family gathering and watching the the kind of oldsters argue Uh. and it's like okay (laughs) the patriarch arguing with his sons and it's like okay this is i mean this is kind of entertaining i wish i wasn't here but this is kind of entertaining you know you're just sitting there sipping your martinelli's Mm -hmm. while everyone else is just fucking slamming beers and you're like okay cool i'll remember this and i'm gonna internalize it and it's gonna fuck me up yep (laughs) hell yeah your two uncles saying you want to step outside step outside uncle you got please could you yeah yeah could you please (laughs) elf is on and i'm trying to watch elf (laughs) you i think with the bottle episodes it really highlights two weaknesses and because they're they're Hmm. they're trying to negotiate so they're they sure each character has their own strengths or something that brings to the table but also there's a weakness and other characters are probably trying to either figure it out or they're trying to protect it or so I, it, like there's all of the aspects of a character there at play um, mm-hmm. almost all at once because they're trying to negotiate with each other probably within you know within limited time and space so they're right. gonna see you know what makes this guy tick how do I make him not explode or how do I take advantage of this person and mm-hmm. 
that's just right. always interesting to see in a drama or you know any kind of it's really intensely personal yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that i think that's kind of the difference between the film version of this and the actual bottle episode is that in the bottle episode we do have the plot to piggyback off of you know the other episodes so i think that in the the character driven element it can be more reflection mm-hmm. than it is actual conflict right because i i feel like in a lot of those episodes we get a lot of monologues yeah people just go on and on about things because they're they're reflecting on themselves and learning about themselves because they have nothing else to do and in a film this is all we get there's no other context so we have to keep the tension high to keep learning things Mm -hmm. there isn't time to learn and then reflect i think it's just so good to get those kind of moments though because imagine if you just never had a, a, a scene where walt and jesse talk about jane you know walt was pretty much as directly responsible for his for her death as somebody could have been and we just if we had just never gotten a point where where walter says anything about it you know then there would just be that 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 lingering question in our minds right there's this like unresolved thing that jesse doesn't even know about right he just thinks that she just died from from a drug overdose right she she rolled off of her side during her sleep and choked to death on her vomit so and nobody else was there to know that Walter, you know, it unintentionally is the one who kind of pushed her over to not be on her side anymore. Without him saying anything, that would never have come to a head. Right? If he hadn't recognized that he was talking to Jane's father, nobody would have known that he ever talked to her, right? Or that he had ever talked to uh, to him. So him telling Jesse these things, it gives us this sense of of climax and closure to that part of it and it allows him to talk almost honestly walter won't ever actually say he was there but he can at least say you know hey i talked to her father and give jesse something that maybe he didn't realize he needed it's so it's so powerful because you you've been waiting for something to come of that right obviously the planes the two planes crash and stuff that was the direct result but You've been waiting for something to happen between Walter and Jesse over this, and now it finally does. And it only happens because they're given that time to actually talk about it and reflect on it, things. Bottle up and explode. It's What's kind of funny is that in the, the bigger context of Breaking Bad is um, when he let her die, you know, I agreed with him. Yeah. I was like, yeah. This bitch needs to go. She uh, and and then when the when the planes you know collided, it was like, yeah, well, you caused that. Yeah, <laughs> but I never I never blamed Walt. You know, mm-hmm. in the causality of all things, it's like, yeah, that happened. But I never felt like it was Walt's real fault. Yeah, he, he helped set off the chain of events. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, if, if yeah, if she had, if she had died next week in New Zealand or whatever, and then her dad found out about it, and then he crashed two planes later, yeah, that wouldn't have been Walt's fault, right? But I, I don't I don't know what it is, but I always sided with Walt on that. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, fuck her. Yeah, fuck she her. She sucked. <laughs> she was horrible. It's funny you say that because like awful. I kind of felt that way every time I I watched that show. But the last but when I watched it again, right, this this last time, that episode really like struck me. Like I, I got teary teared up when, when she was dying. And like when the dad was like going through her stuff. Like I was like, Oh fuck. Oh God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just it, like, it hurt. It hurt way more than it ever had before. I don't know. I'm on the side of like, he, he should have just saved her, <laughs> you know, like a, 
if he wanted to be a good person. That's fair. I think he was choosing to. I think that was kind of the. Point I don't think he. I don't. Yeah, I don't think it was kind of the point. Yeah, it was a big turning point for him. <laughs> yeah, that's when he started influencing yes. things. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Puppet master. Stop being. Stop being reactionary. Yeah. So it seems like like what you said about in, in reference to that that it's like we were waiting for that moment for uh for him to confess to Jesse, you know, Walter. And um it seems like when you do a bottle, it's like inevitably over time the characters will bloom, they'll reveal their secrets mm-hmm. even if they don't intend to or if they're trying right. to repress it. It's like those it's just give the character enough time, there's no distractions, there's no guns blaring, mm-hmm. there's no uh, Right other tasks to keep them occupied it's they're gonna wind up so i wonder if would you guys think if it's a good writing exercise to develop your characters put them all in a room and see what happens what would you think about that i wouldn't put them all in a room but yeah Uh, yeah. no i i do that regularly (laughs) to figure out what a character's really about Mm -hmm. tell me more in in the exact same sense you put two characters who have any any sort of conflict between them and just allow them to hash it out without the distraction of the plot mm-hmm. you know there's, there's no big monster we have to put our differences aside dude and and face the thing right now it's just between you and me fuck face why'd you fuck my girlfriend right why'd you do that <laughs> why would you hurt my feelings usually you have to kind of think about why they're stuck there because like in real life if you were just in a room with somebody you didn't want to be in a room with you just, just leave. leave if you were stuck in a room and we're bored instead of talking to other people you might just pull out your phone and start looking at memes you know uh (laughs) like so you kind of have to take away the other stuff they might be doing right and they do that in breaking bad too by introducing the fly and preventing them from cooking it's set in an era where phones weren't allowed weren't really capable of providing you with an outlet and they had to deal with that that fly and so they were forced to stay in that that room so it kind of Accomplish two of the things that they need, right? Um, Put your characters in a parking garage elevator. Yeah. And then cut the power on the elevator. Easy. Do they fucking kill each other inside the elevator? Yeah. Because eventually, you guys can't just sit across from each other. Eventually, they will get into yeah. it. You're going to start at, just to pass the time. You know, hey, what's your so, name? You know? uh, how's it going? How's it going over there? Yeah. Like, hey, fuck you, man. Oh, okay. It sucks. It's just as bad as, as your side. <laughs> I don't know. There's a vent on my side. It's pretty breezy. <laughs> Put in a broken mirror in there so that whenever they see themselves, they're just broken. It just reminds them how broken they are. Wow. I think if there was a broken mirror, yeah, they might yeah. kill each other. <laughs> Listen here, you son of a bitch. I've got the bigger piece of glass. Yeah, well, I'm more dexterous. <laughs> Ableist. <laughs> Get out of here with that liberal bullshit. You fucking flings glass into his eye and kills him <laughs> into his eye and then the power <laughs> comes back on immediately the power comes back on what have i done Opens up. jesus christ the power was out for three minutes <laughs> if there's enough tension but yes i think it's a good exercise it is but the the question always becomes when when does that actually happen mm-hmm. because you know in a in a relationship an entire plot's worth of relationship at what point do you have them actually confront each other? Right. And if you're not going to use it, what's the point? Except to find their extreme value. Right. That's funny. What would happen if you put our three characters in a room together? <laughs> We're stuck You'd be there. dead by the end of it. <laughs> We'd probably talk about a lot of story stuff for a while. 
<laughs> and then when we got when about an hour and a half later when it was insufferable it's a, and we it's couldn't a, hang up the discord it's a, the climax it's a of our hour and a half long movie i'd sink you <laughs> you'd sink me oh, you you make me go down Ooh. He's, i ain't gay just my poop go down on me Ugh. <laughs> poop cock we had this discussion there's no poop deck <laughs> if you're if you're listening and you have ship knowledge, please let us know in the comments. Yeah, if we have any naval boys <laughs> or gals, I guess. If you're in the navy, explain something to us. How does a ship work? Is that noise that it makes? Is that real? Yeah. Why doesn't it just or sink? Is it? Is it? <laughs> yeah. What what makes it float? Don't come at me with that buoyancy bullshit. Science isn't real. Buoyancy is not real. How do the boats not fall off the edge of the earth when they sail too far? Yeah. Yeah, get fucking flat earthers. Come on. Why Rise is, up. You know, monsters are just going to come eat it. They're trying to hide the monsters. I know they're there. Yeah. <laughs> Who's holding up the flat earth? <laughs> Think about it. A bunch of turtles or something? Ooh, that reminds me. Solaris. Or, you know, a ship, a spaceship movies. Those are good bottles. I'm sure a lot of space shows do it. Yeah. Bottle episode of like being stuck in a spacecraft Absolutely. and like you're trying not to make eyes to the sexy, you know, robot assistant. I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't gonna bring it up, but I a lot of horror movies are bottle episodes yeah. that are done to that are done horribly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't do the character thing. Right. They try and ham fist a, a grand plot into the, the fucking haunted house. Oh, this is where she was killed by the, the insane preacher father fuckface in 1790 like, oh wow so are we banging here or not you know that's that's the inevitable plot of any horror movie it's yeah. just there's a bed in here someone's got to fuck on it we're, we're trapped there's in a ghost who's going around killing our friends we haven't seen three of our friends all night time to bang, <laughs> yep. time to bang. sounds like we're not gonna it's get in interrupted <laughs> what are they gonna do he needs a priest he'll avert his holy gaze oh, yes, of course <laughs> Hide your Christian eyes. Oh, I'll let them finish. Got hook. <laughs> I'll give them a minute. This is the yeah. selling point of the movie. There's a whole um show. Well, many, but the one that I'm thinking of is um yes, Stargate again. Uh the third Stargate <laughs> series called Stargate Universe was basically take a bunch of people, trap them on a spaceship that is going through the universe, uh, and make them interact with each other. And that's the whole premise of the show. It's very different from the other two that had existed. And that's why it didn't do very well, because people were like, why isn't this so much, why isn't this as much action adventure and more character driven? I don't like this. It's, it was also darker, but you know, there's a lot of fans. Is that, a, is that how they sounded? That's exactly Did you talk to a lot of them? Yes. If you didn't you like Stargate Universe, and... it's because you're a fucking idiot. But yeah, the whole show is like that. Um, and it's great because they actually do it well. I mean, there's, there's plenty of plot. Like there's a whole, there's tons of plot that happens in it. Um, but most of it is them just trying to like survive day by day you know and you do get some horror elements you get every once in a while they're able to get down to a planet somewhere in the universe and so you know you get some more plot and them doing stuff or whatever but ultimately it's they're going down to the planet because they need resources that they can bring back to the ship because the ship only stays in range of that planet for like a day or two or something like that right and before it has to move on because it's traveling through the entire universe <laughs> so it's, it ain't got time <laughs> um 
Yeah, it's it's really cool. Kind of gives it forces them to be in an enclosed space, but also provides them with a way to kind of get out of it and do some other, you know, other sorts of not quite as enclosed plot type stories. Um, and so it was really it was a really cool dynamic. Um, but uh, it got canceled after two seasons. I was very upset about it. But it does a really good job. So doing <laughs> we should try to write okay. one. Let's try to write a bottle episode. We're not going to do it on the podcast. <laughs> Next oh, podcast. Yeah, a couple of interesting characters. I'm not having a part two to this. I think something else to be said about it is like we were talking last time briefly about, you know, scenes and co- well, obviously we were talking about like conflict and scenes, right? The last episode. And one of the things I brought up was distinguishing scenes when you have continuous when, when I don't know. What's what's the word? Um. I don't know. I can't think of the word, but um, transitioning between scenes. Yeah, but I mean, like it's 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 still in the same place. You're still following the same characters. No time has passed, right? You could think of a bottle episode as one very very long scene, right, where the whole thing is just one giant negotiation. But uh, like I said last time, really, there's a lot of different scenes. There's different topics. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's one negotiation. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that's one scene either. There's usually a transition of some kind. Yeah. Often it's simply just they've resolved some negotiation, and there's like a just a, there's just a pause of them yeah, not some, knowing what to say. There's next. some moment of brevity where they would cut another scene in if they had one to cut in. Right. They just don't. So if you're going to do a bottle episode, um, you would still have to do all the same things that you would do when you're planning out a an episode or a story. It's the same thing. It's just always in the same place with the same characters usually. Just keep that in mind if you're going to write it. Thanks, Professor. You're welcome. Well, Tom was wondering, talking about, I want to do this. Yeah, I kind of want to still want to just go and try something. I think characters. We have to do an episode on characters and how to make them good, make, you know, from the start or something. Well, who's up next for picking the podcast episode? Hey, Sounds like it's you. you. Okay, there's only going to be like two options. <laughs> My thing, or just a random one about poop. <laughs> I think you take the poop episode. <laughs> poop in poop stories. In How often does it appear? Well, relatively <laughs> <definitely> frequently. <laughs> Seeing as we poop every day, characters as well poop every day. Although it's not often mentioned in stories, which is kind of a flaw in stories if you think about it, because everybody poops. You know, you think you know, it's that funny. Wrap it up. Poop would be more wrap it up. I'm wrap it up. <laughs> the book I'm reading right now just <laughs> about talked about pooping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It happens. <laughs> wrap it up. All the characters poop. <laughs> Everybody poops. Everybody's okay. gotta wrap it up too. Everybody's Thank you for wrap it up too. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the Soil Podcast. This has been a pleasure talking about bottle episodes. If you have any favorite bottle episodes of your own or um favorite uh, one location stories please let us know in the comments if you're listening to yeah. us uh, on one of your one of the podcast apps you know leave us a like or you know whatever it is that you do on those subscribe or whatever um if you're on youtube you know hit that like button subscribe do all the things leave a comment like tom said uh, and thanks for watching thanks for listening